This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. I'm Ainsley Earhart. I'm Brett Baer. I'm Katie Pavlich, and this is the Fox News Rundown. Friday, May 20th, 2022. I'm Eben Brown. What makes Vladimir Putin so merciless? One author and expert says he merely comes from a long line of brutal communists, and he's emulating who he thinks was the most effective leader the Russian people ever had. He has been ruthless in consolidating power in uh, Russia. He has uh, eliminated over and over again people exactly as Stalin did a long time ago. This is the Fox News Rundown War on Ukraine. Hi, everybody. It's Brian Kilmeade. I want you to join me weekdays at 9 a.m. East as we break down the biggest stories of the day with some of the biggest newsmakers and, of course, what you think. Listen live or get the podcast now at BrianKilmeadeShow.com. We have spent many weeks asking why Vladimir Putin is so hell-bent on conquering Ukraine. And most experts say the same thing. He's rebuilding an empire of Russian influence, one he felt was lost when the Soviet Union collapsed. And it is true, he is a brutal butcher. And while evidence of brutality in Ukraine abounds, one man who studies Putin insists the real brutality is much more up close and personal. And what an oligarch is, even the um, Russian society is divided tremendously between, between the rich and the poor. It doesn't have a middle class or as much of a middle class as the United States does. John O'Neill is a military historian and an author. He's co-written the book The Dancer and the Devil, Stalin, Pavlova, and the Road to the Great Pandemic. And it is very eye-opening. There's a lot more to Vladimir Putin than just being a villain. And it involves those boogeymen, the oligarchs of Russia. The oligarchs are basically the ones who succeeded to the uh, what were once state enterprises owned by the state itself. And when the state got rid of these in the Yeltsin years, it privatized them. People stepped in, uh, many of them closely associated with Putin. They're called the Siloviki, Silovik, S-I-L-O-V-I-K. And they became immensely wealthy. And they basically made a trade. We'll help you, Putin, and Yeltsin before him, if you will allow us to become immensely wealthy. Now, Russia's economy is almost entirely natural resources. So most of the great wealth was made in the sale of natural gas and in the sale of oil, primarily to Europe and to other places. These are guys that accumulated fortunes of over a half billion dollars, over $500 million um, in uh, essentially in oil and gas and uh, or in in some political aspect of it. So. How much influence do they have over someone like Vladimir Putin from the the image that Vladimir Putin has and sort of, again, this um, this image that I think is perpetuated through the media is that he is this all powerful, all controlling uh, uh, Russian dictator. 
But is he influenced by the oligarchs or does he command them? I mean, these are this is intriguing, I think, for Americans, really, because, you know, I, especially if you are of my generation or the generation before me, you grew up uh, being scared of the Soviet Union. And, and, you know, we have these mass mediated images of 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 author, authoritarian cheaters uh, and the evil Soviets and, and the bad guys in the Rocky Four film and all that stuff. But I don't want to make a joke about it. Uh, how, how much of that really rings true in today's Russia with Vladimir Putin and these oligarchs and the power structure? These are guys um, even that helped to put him in power back in 1998 and 2000 and then readily lost any control over him. Uh, his... his um, Mentor was the mayor of Leningrad. Leningrad, uh, his name was Subchak, and uh, Subchak was a reformer, helped to get Putin in power. And then Subchak, after Putin took power, was asked, who is Putin? And he said, Putin is the new Stalin. Within three days, Subchak was dead of a heart attack, and both his bodyguards had simultaneous heart attacks, even though none of them had had a heart attack before. So the the um, oligarchs were all people that helped to get him into power, but they have very little control over this man anymore. This guy has consolidated power and the people surrounding him are all KGB friends of his. They call themselves the strong men, strong men. None of them were ever in a battle, but they're strong. And as you can tell in the Ukraine and killing people, this is sort of frightening because it does sort of teeter on the whole movie villain aspect of it but it's it's obviously it's not a movie these are very real things these are real people being controlled they have yeah. in the last uh, seven weeks since the ukrainian war began seven different oligarchs have supposedly committed suicide the last two supposedly committed suicide while just while killing their little children and their wives with in a bloody horrible way with axes brutal now, they call these Litternoi murders. These are uh, actually assassinations, stage deaths, stage suicides, sometimes stage natural deaths that are made to look as if they're, they're a suicide or a natural death. But everyone knows that people don't murder their little daughters with an axe, uh, not seven of them. And so these deliver a warning to all the oligarchs. If you, if you uh, oppose what I do, not only will you die, but your wife will die and your little kids will die, too. It's a brutal, vicious uh, deal. There have been seven of them in the past seven or eight weeks, starting with a family called a Protosenius, and one in England, uh, one in Moscow, where a, a guy supposedly shoots himself and his uh, little kids and his wife, and the Moscow police say, oh, it's a suicide murder. Yeah, sure. Um, a long time ago, Stalin's a defecting guy from Stalin, named Kravitsky said it takes and he said any fool can murder someone said but it takes a true artist to stage a suicide or a natural death and that's exactly what they did all over the world in the Stalin period and as our book the dancer and the devil reflects he has done it over and over again in Russia there are so many of them that we had to put their names in an appendix because we couldn't the book would be 3,000 pages if you tried to cover everybody that this guy murdered he has a unit called unit number 29155, and you can read about it right on, on Google. It is made up of a series of professional assassins. They, uh, they 
people found out fondly about them when they uh, tried to assassinate a family called the Scruples in England. They did kill other people with the byproducts of their poison. And they were on for themselves. They were on video, picked them up on video. They, they saw their Facebook posts. These idiots were posting on Facebook. And from that, the British Secret Service tracked them down. They got the names, the identity of them, and they learned that four, they had murdered 14 different people in England alone. When uh, Putin was asked about that, is there such a unit? And were they murdering people? He said, uh, no, I have no knowledge of any such unit, but there should be a unit like that. That would be a very good unit for us to have. That was that, his response. That's a very frightening thing for a world leader to to say. Um, but it, it sort of confirms this this image of the of the brutal totalitarian communist or maybe post-communist dictator uh russia may not in, embrace communism as it did during the soviet union but it certainly has not rid itself of the totalitarian nature of the soviet union uh something uh, that you could argue is very similar to china they've embraced world markets but they they are still quite brutally totalitarian uh, they this... believe that they're on a stage that they'll be able to be communist eventually, but they just sort of have to use capitalism. It's very important to understand with Putin, his background. His grandfather was Stalin's cook and taster. His father was an exterminator for the KGB in the Ukraine. It was all ready through the Ukraine and shoot people in the back of the head during World War II and after World War II. He has often stated his admiration for Stalin. He thinks Stalin was a great man, that the collapse of the Soviet Union was one of the great tragedies of human history, for which he blames the United States. He blames us, even you and me. And uh, that's who who, uh, he is. And he has been ruthless in consolidating power in uh, Russia. He has uh, eliminated over and over again people exactly as Stalin did a long time ago. We've been speaking with author John O'Neill. He's written a book, Dancer and the Devil, Stalin, Pavlova, and the Road to the Great Pandemic. On the Fox News Rundown, War on Ukraine. We'll have more with John straight ahead. And I suspect that it makes it hard for anyone with any kind of influence in Russia to maybe persuade him to either call off this war in Ukraine or rethink it in some way to to perhaps maybe make it less brutal against Ukrainians to find a, a, a good exit strategy at this point, because the war hasn't terrific, gone terrifically well for them. This was not a, a major victory. It might be a slow slog, and in some way they might wear down the the. Uh, the Ukrainian military and fighters and, and people, but this was not the quick, we're going to run in there and plant a flag at the, in Kiev and, and reclaim lost uh, Russian territory. This, and it looks like from what you're telling me that no one really has a good voice or way of convincing him otherwise. And if they did try that, they might end up with themselves and their family dead. In 1953, Joseph Stalin was preparing an awful lot of evidence now shows for the use of nuclear weapons in the West. And uh, his underling, a man named Beria, poisoned him to death. And that's the reason why we kind of live in the world we live in right now. This guy has a whole variety of weapons that nobody's seen yet. He's, he, is, he brags about them. He brags about what he calls his special weapons. These are bioweapons. Um, he has weaponized in, in terrible diseases. And the way he sees 
And of course, he knows there's a nuclear stalemate. But his view of the world is if things go really bad, somebody goes into Kiev or they go into Kansas and they cough even. And when they cough, all of a sudden people get sick. One out of every five days in the Soviet army is sprint preparing for biological warfare. And so pushed to the limit, the, the terrible risk with this guy is biowarfare and chemical warfare. And he is a terrible risk for doing it because he has no conception or belief in human values. John O'Neill, you're an author. You've written Dancer in the Devil. You, uh, you've you written it uh, with Sarah Wynn, who is sitting next to you. Let's talk a little bit about the book in case people would like to pick up uh, this and read more of uh, of your work and and uh, and learn more about this topic. Tell me about Dancer and the Devil. Why did you write it, and 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 what is your uh, what is your hope that people will get away uh, come away from it after they've read it? Dancer and the Devil uh, begins with uh, Stalin's creation of a thing called Laboratory One. Laboratory One was a poison lab. Uh, the problem Stalin had is he had to get rid of people like Putin does secretly without anybody knowing that he was getting rid of them. And he poisoned uh, the greatest dancer in the world, Anna Pavlova, the greatest dancer of all of human history, poisoned, used as a, as a rat in a poison lab, Wallenberg, one of the only two people ever to be an honorary U.S. citizen, a man that saved 100,000 Jews in Hungary and many others, Gorky, and there's a list of them. Uh, he then decided to move from retail poisons into wholesale bioweapons, and he began those at a place called Siratov in Russia, and they leaked in 1939 and killed people, as described in the book, in Dancer and the Devil. Those bioweapons expanded in the Soviet period, and they've been exploded under Putin. They also went to China. China has 14 bioweapons labs, military bioweapons labs. The largest of those is in Wuhan, China. And the book makes a very strong case, I believe, I think a conclusive case, that the military bioweapons lab in Wuhan, China, leaked COVID-19 virus in the course of vaccine tests. It has a great deal of information in it that was hard to get hold of and that is actually uh, right there. The reason people need to read the book is for two reasons, three reasons, really. There are two very, very evil people even in the world. One is uh, Putin. We're seeing him right now. And the other one is Xi in China. These are ruthless uh, Marxists who idealize um, Stalin. And the second thing people need to know is that they are armed with what they describe as special weapons, bioweapons, and we're largely defenseless. We, we didn't even do a good job on COVID-19. Now, I want to ask you about your uh, both uh, yours and Sarah's research into this book, because you were telling me about something that happened that's quite mysterious. If the two of you can sort of give me the, the nutshell of this story, because it, 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 it kind of reads like a spy novel. You were working on journalistic material, if you will. You were writing a book that was well-researched. Uh, and like anyone doing their job these days, no matter what that job is, you're making use of modern technology, specifically the cloud, to do your computing, to do your work, to store, uh, you, you know, the, the progress of your work. Uh, and when we uh, when we use cloud technology, we we sort of like to feel that it's secure and that it's it's not easily uh, accessed by people who we don't want to see it, whether it's our family photos or or important personal documents, the the insurance policy for our homes, whatever the case might be. 
but in this case, it was the research for uh, for your investigative work. And tell me what happened. I'm just going to give you the before we get the book has 650 footnotes. Some of the information from the book came from people who are ex Chinese and Russian expatriates and a few still in China and Russia. So uh, we've sealed, of course, who they are, although we we everything in the book is sourced. Not going right. So so th this is information coming from a very prime source that perhaps someone doesn't want dis uh, disseminated. So go ahead and tell, go ahead and tell me what happened. So yes, yeah, so I had gone to just about every website I could find reading about the origin of COVID, et cetera. And I didn't have any kind of protection on my computer. So my IP address must have been flagged. And I first noticed that an art website that I run wholly separate and apart from the book was getting attention from Wuhan and Shanghai repeatedly which was odd because my galleries are in the Southeast. I'm not, don't have any clients in China. So that got my attention. And then uh, a short time after that, I opened the book in the morning to begin working on it and noticed it had been opened at 4 a.m. Well, John doesn't even have, didn't even have access to the manuscript. I was the only one who did, and I wasn't on it at 4 a.m. So again, that got my attention. We contacted the FBI. They advised we hire a computer forensic expert, which we did. We handed over my hard drive. Uh, my Wi-Fi passwords, um, cloud passwords. And then in the course of his him doing this, uh, it happened again. This time I opened it in the morning to begin working on it. And the previous probably six versions were deleted from the cloud. I would always wow. save them by a date. And um, the previous six, probably six versions have been deleted. Fortunately, I'd saved it on a flash drive. So we didn't lose all of that work. And fortunately, we didn't have any of our sources names on there. But uh, the, our expert was able to determine the breach occurred in the Apple iCloud. And um, so, no, I don't feel like the cloud is as safe as I used to think that it was. We asked him, who, who was it? He said that in the world, there are only two people that have the ability to penetrate the Apple cloud, the Chinese, whom he described as owning the cloud and, and the Russians. And so um, because of all the hits on Sarah's website coming from Wuhan and Shanghai, we're convinced that the that our material first was accessed and then was destroyed by the uh, Chinese. What well, they didn't count on was that we had hard drives. Well, and even now, um, even we rose, I believe, to number seven, the 17 best selling book. We expected to see reviews on Amazon and people started sending us screenshots. They were verified purchasers. But the message said, due to the content of this review, only verified purchasers can leave messages. So someone somehow we were getting. Um, you know, regulated through Amazon as well. So there's been a lot to try to suppress this book. But uh, I don't think that Putin and she like the book uh, even. <laughs> I, I don't think they're fans uh, and they shouldn't be because we're not their fans. Well, John O'Neill, Sarah Wynn, thank you so much for being with us on the Fox News Rundown War on Ukraine. Thank, thank you. you You've been listening to the Fox News Rundown. Rundown. Stay up to date by subscribing to this podcast at foxnewspodcasts.com. And for up-to-the-minute news, go to foxnews.com.
I'm Charles Payne. Listen to my Unstoppable Prosperity podcast so I can get you making money right now. Whether stocks are hitting new all-time highs or in freefall mode, opportunities abound. So why are so many potential investors still sitting on the sidelines? In a new season of my podcast, I'm going to get you in the game. After 38 years on Wall Street, I'm ready to impart some lessons and get you invested in the greatest wealth-generating machine in history. Listen anytime, everywhere at foxbusinesspodcast.com or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast.